that if we build our lives on Him, boy, that is a firm foundation. Oh, I love that song with all my heart. Uh, it is a blessing for me to be able to introduce our speaker this morning. Uh, if Pastor Steve and I look a little ragged this week, we've been uh, single parents for a few days, and uh, whenever my wife goes away, I, when she gets home, I always say, you have a lot harder job than I do, uh, because it is hard watching two little ones, and, uh, and so this was, a, this was a week that we looked at the schedule and we knew our wives were are away on a women's leadership retreat. And then we are leaving this afternoon on a staff retreat with all our staff here at the church. And so this was a great week for us to have one of our own come and deliver the Word. And so I am blessed to introduce to you uh, Chris Matsuoka. Chris has been... Chris has been at our church for the last uh, over four years now and has really been involved in a lot of different ways. And over the last several years, I have uh, come to know Chris as a very faithful man of God and committed to the Lord and committed to His church. And, that, and I say that with uh, great genuineness. Like Chris is, Chris is faithful and he is committed to the Lord and to this church and, uh, and has been very involved and so... Uh, we are blessed to have him come and deliver uh, the word this morning. Chris graduated uh, Biola in, year t- in, in 2000, 2010 and then got his Master's of Divinity from Talbot and graduated in 2015. And we are blessed and privileged to have Chris share with us this word. So let's welcome Chris as he comes forward. Good morning. As Pastor Corey just said, uh, I'm Chris. I'm one of the members here at West Covina Christian Church. For the past few months, Pastor Corey and Pastor Steve have been leading our church through a season of fervent prayer. And as we've been praying more and more and expectantly waiting for God to speak to us individually and as a church, I was struck by this thought. While we are waiting to hear from God, uh, we should be preparing ourselves to respond. So that's the question that I want to tackle today. What do we need to do so that we can hear from God and obey Him? What do we need to do so that we can hear from God and obey Him? And with that in mind, let's pray and ask for God to speak to us today. Heavenly Father, Thank you so much for this day. Thank you for the opportunity that we have to gather together uh, without fear, to worship you openly, to study your word. God, I just pray that this message would be pleasing to you. Uh, Let me say your words and only your words. And God, if there's anything that I say that's not from you, uh, just let it fall to the ground forgotten. Speak to us through your word, Lord, and give us ears to hear and hearts to understand. In your name we pray, amen. All right, before we get started, I wanted to highlight a few different ways that God speaks to us. 
right? Because prayer is only half the conversation that we have, right? It's us speaking to God, but God also speaks to us. And so if we're going to talk about how we respond to God, uh, I figured that it would be good first to talk about a few different ways that God speaks to us. So I'm going to give us three different ways that God often will speak to us, and it's not a comprehensive list or anything like that, right? So the first way that God speak to us, uh, speaks to us is through the Bible, through His Word, right? That's, that's the primary way that God speaks to us. The second way that God speaks to us is through our community, right? And uh, for those of you who have been Christians for a while, I'm sure that you've noticed that every once in a while, uh, a brother or a sister will say exactly what you need to hear, right? A couple years ago, I was, I was a mess. I had just graduated from uh, seminary, and I had just been let go from my job, and I didn't really know where I was supposed to go or what I was supposed to do, and I just remember feeling lost, feeling like I was drifting, and uh, one night I was talking to Shugo, and we were sitting in his car, and I remember just pouring out all this angst about indecision and not knowing what was going on, and and just expressing to him that I didn't feel like I was being angered by anything. And, and Shugo turned and he looked at me and he kind of laughed and he said, what are you talking about? You of all people know that Jesus is our anchor. You just need to cling to him. And, and that hit me because that was exactly what I needed to hear in that moment. The third way that God speaks to us is through impressions in our hearts and in our minds, right? It's, it's not a voice uh, that's, that's clearly or audibly spoken, but it, it's still a very clear impression on our hearts. And I have a memory of when I was trying to decide what school I was going to, and I was spending time praying, uh, trying to decide, do I go to Azusa or Biola or some other school? And as I was praying one time, I felt God say to me that if I went to Biola, then I might meet somebody that I might be able to help, maybe. And, and when I stop and I look at that statement objectively, it, it could have applied to anything. It could have applied to anywhere, but I felt distinctly in my heart that this was specifically about Biola. And as Pastor Corey shared, that's where I ended up going for my undergraduate. All right? So those are three different ways that God might speak to us, right? The Bible, our community, and impressions. So let's go ahead and jump into today's text and talk about what we should do when we hear God speak, okay? Today we're going to be working out of Mark chapter 4. Mark is the second book of the New Testament. Uh, as you can see, I don't have any slides, so the verses won't be up there, but we do have Bibles in the pews, so if you go ahead and reach into those, I think it's on page 839 or somewhere around there. Uh, so you can go ahead and turn to Mark 4 in those Bibles, and since I don't have slides, that also means that I don't have points on the notes, and so if you're one of those people who likes to fill in the blanks so that they can keep track of where I'm going, I've got four points for you. All right, so we're in Mark chapter 4. In Mark 4, Jesus tells a parable about responding when we hear God's verse, verse, God's voice. So we're starting in verse 1. 
Again, he began to teach beside the sea, and a very large crowd gathered about him, so that he got into a boat and sat in it on the sea, and the whole crowd was beside the sea on the land. And he was teaching them many things in parables, and in his teaching he said to them, Listen, a sower went out to sow, and as he sowed, some seed fell along the path, and the birds came and devoured it. Other seed fell on rocky ground, where it did not have much soil, and immediately it sprang up, since it had no depth of soil. And when the sun rose, it was scorched, and since it had no root, it withered away. Other seed fell among thorns, and the thorns grew up and choked it, and it yielded no grain. And other seeds fell into good soil and produced grain, growing up and increasing and yielding thirtyfold and sixtyfold and a hundredfold. And he said, He who has ears to hear, let him hear. When Jesus taught to large crowds, he often spoke with parables. Parables are short stories like the one we just read uh, that were used to convey a message, right? Used to share a lesson. And they can also be kind of confusing, right? I mean, this one's, this one's about dirt, different types of dirt. And yet it's also about responding to God, right? And maybe it's a little harder for, for us to understand because we live in the 21st century and you don't have to touch dirt unless you want to. But even if you're familiar with dirt, you're familiar with the cycles of planting and harvesting and the familiar with cultivating soil and things like that, the connection between this parable and responding to God's word is a little murky. Thankfully, even though Jesus' disciples were much more familiar with dirt, uh, they still didn't understand what was going on, and so they asked Jesus to explain it. So we're going to pick up in verse 13. And he said to them, Do you not understand this parable? How then will you understand all the parables? The sower sows the word. And this is how we know that this parable is talking about... uh, This is how we know that this parable is talking about responding to God. Uh, There's a parallel account in Luke chapter 8 in which uh, Luke clarifies it a little more by saying the seed is the word of God. Verse 15, and these are the ones along the path where the word is sown. When they hear, Satan immediately comes and takes away the word that is sown in them. The first response to God's word is rejection. The soil on the path is hard, so the seed doesn't sprout. This is how some of us respond to God's word. We get so caught up in doing things our way that we don't even notice when the Spirit prompts us to do something. Just like that seed sitting on top of the path, God speaks, but His word doesn't penetrate our hearts. This is a very scary place to be for a Christian because it either means that you're not a Christian or that your heart is so calloused to God that you don't hear when he's talking. When I was younger, I used to love fantasy fiction. I still love fantasy fiction, but when I was younger, I was really awkward, and so I used to escape into these books, right? And there's always that one character that's super cool and exceptionally talented and and just really good at everything that he does. And 
he's always also a little bit removed, right? And I'm thinking of the character like Aragorn in Lord of the Rings back in his Strider days, right? He's this quiet, mysterious man that scares uh, the heck out of these hobbits, and he's really good at everything that they need to do to survive, right? He's good at fighting and wilderness survival and all these things, and, and he's also very emotionally distant from the hobbits, right? I wanted to be that guy. I wanted to be uh, really talented at everything that I did, um, but also a little bit distant so that I wouldn't get hurt by anything. Then my sophomore year of high school, I went to camp. I went to Winter Vision, um, something that we've heard a lot of our youth have been going to. And while I was at this camp, um, back in the day, we used to have this thing called Victory Circle, where on Sunday night, we would all go out into the woods, and we would gather around the campfire, and we would share about the things that God has done, right? And so we're talking about, you know, how great our cabin has been, or how amazing the worship has been, or the things that the speaker has said that have really challenged us, and things like that. And so while people are taking turns getting up and sharing, my friend gets up, and he shares how God finally penetrated his heart, and how during that weekend, he accepted Jesus into his heart. And my first thought was, cool. And my second thought was, cool? That's it? That's, that's your only response, Chris? And I was, I was unsettled by this because I had known this friend for five years. We had met at camp, and he lived pretty close to me, so we kept up in uh, we kept in touch during the rest of the year, and I would visit his church sometimes. And he had just made the biggest decision of his life, right? He had gone from eternal damnation to eternal salvation. And my response was, cool. And then I got hit by this wave of anxiety and conviction and I just started praying. I started praying and praying and asking God, what's wrong with me? Why am I not more excited for my friend? And then I started praying and apologizing for having such a hard heart, one that wasn't excited when such a monumentous thing happens in someone's life. And, and I started praying and asking for God to soften my heart. And I kept praying and praying and praying. And then I ran out of words. And I was just sitting there silently. And as I was silently sitting there, I hear this girl get up. She takes the mic and she introduces herself. And she says that um, the reason why she had come to Winter Vision was because a friend of hers had invited her. And that through the things that the speaker had said and through conversations that she had with her cabin leader, she had come to realize that she was a sinner in need of saving. And she had accepted Jesus into her heart. And I just started crying. And I was super confused because I was crying and I didn't know who this girl was and I didn't know what was going on. And then this realization washed over me as I realized that God had heard my prayer, that he had softened my heart. And then I started crying over that. <laughs> so what if this is you? Right? What if, I mean... Maybe you're not as bad as I was, like idolizing this emotional distance. But what if you see this hardness in your life? What can you do? The first thing you need to understand is that there's hope. There's hope to change. 
right? See, Jesus said that the seed landed on the path. He didn't say that it landed on the road, right? And this, this path was most likely the kind of path that happens when people keep walking over the same plot of dirt over and over and over again across a field, right? And so the, the path, the ground there gets packed down as people and animals keep walking over and over and over again. But the original hearers, the people that were listening to Jesus would have understood that this path wasn't permanent. The farmer, when he was ready to prepare his soil, would hitch up his plow and he would start plowing through and he would just rip up the dirt and turn up the soil and it would rip straight through this hardened path. And then the soil would get turned up and it would be fertile again. This this is the process of repentance. This is uh, turning away from what we had been doing and instead starting something new. It's It's asking God to soften our hearts so that we can hear His voice. And as God does, as he gives us the opportunity to respond to him, it's responding. So, so we fight the response of rejection with repentance. Let's keep going. Verse 16. And these are the ones sown on rocky ground, the ones who, when they hear the word, immediately receive it with joy. And they have no root in themselves, but endure for a while, then when tribulation or persecution arises on account of the word, immediately they fall away. So the second response is that there's no lasting change. There's no lasting change. The seed lands on the soil and sprouts quickly, but ultimately nothing comes from it. This is the person who mistakes the effects of a relationship with God with the actual relationship with God. I grew up doing a lot of stuff with church. I went to BSF, and I went to VBS, and I went to Awana, and I also attended a Christian school, and we had chapel every Wednesday, and I did a lot of this stuff, and that meant that I heard a lot of altar calls, and that meant that I received Jesus into my heart a lot of times, right? And we can laugh a little bit because I was young, and Maybe it's a little cute because I didn't understand what was going on, but I was really excited, and so I just kept raising my hand or walking to the front. But I, I stepped back, and I realized that I, I also had this pattern later in life. Right? When I hit middle school, it was all about gems and winter vision. Right? And so every summer, I would go to gems, and I would go to camp and have a week away from home, and everything about camp is aimed at getting us to love Jesus more. We have these cabins and worship time and these amazing speakers and all this stuff. And then six months later, we have Winter Vision, where it's the same thing just packed into two and a half days, right? And then six months later, we have gems again. And I would just find myself getting really excited and always looking forward to the next camp, always looking forward to that next camp high, is what we would call it. And then later, as I continued to grow and I reached high school, I started realizing, hey, there's, there's a lot of good stuff that's going on at church. And so instead of having this six-month chase, I started 
doing a weekend chase, right? Because I would suffer through school Monday to Friday, just looking forward to youth group on Saturday and church on Sunday. And then I would go back to school, waiting for the weekend, and then it'd be the weekend again, right? A lot of us have this kind of a pattern, this, this cycle in our lives of chasing one taste of God and then seeking the next one and then the next one. So what if that's you? What if you're the one who feels their excitement for God ebbing and flowing? If this is you and you want more of God, it's time to up the ante. These verses say that the plant doesn't last because there aren't any roots, right? There's nothing in this plant that runs deep and gathers water and nourishment. But just like with the path, the original hearers would have understood that rocky soil doesn't remain rocky. As the farmer would plow his field year after year, it would turn up the rocks and he would stop and he would move the rock. And he would remove it to the edge of his field and he would put it down. And slowly he would start building a wall. Or maybe he would take these rocks and he would build an altar. Right? And as he continues plowing his field year after year, removing these rocks, the soil becomes fertile. And there's nothing that's hindering the plants from planting deep roots. So what's keeping you from planting deep roots? Maybe you need to go to sleep earlier next Saturday so that when you wake up on Sunday morning, you're refreshed and your mind is sharp. Or maybe you need to join a growth group that uh, Pastor Corey mentioned. They meet throughout the week, often in people's homes, and dive into the Word. And through that, you'll have the opportunity to be building relationships with other believers who are able to encourage you, and you're able to encourage them as we all seek to grow closer to God together. Or maybe you need to enter a discipling relationship where you're able to learn, how do I read my Bible? How do I pray? What does it look like to lean on God in the day-to-day life? The pattern of no lasting change is disrupted by planting deep roots. Back to Mark, verse 18. And the others are the ones sown among thorns. They are those who hear the word, but the cares of the world and the deceitfulness of riches and the desires for other things enter in and choke the word, and it proves unfruitful. The third response is a half-hearted commitment. The seed lands and sprouts, but it's constantly fighting against these thorns. Although it continues to grow, it's, it's stunted and, and choked out, and ultimately it's fruitless. It makes me uh, think of my childhood. See, my dad always had a green thumb, and that meant that we were always out in the backyard doing things in the garden, helping to cultivate these fruit trees or whatever. And there's a lot of work in gardening, especially when you're gardening for fruit and things like that. But the thing that we did the most, the thing that consumed the most of our time was weeding. 
right? You would go out and there would be all these extra plants, dandelions, and, and things that we didn't want there, things that were taking up the water, the nutrients for our plants. And so we would go out and we'd rip them up and we'd throw them in the compost uh, bin and, and then we were done, right? And until next week. And then we would have to go back out and we'd rip up these weeds again and we would go and the cycle continues on and on and on. Just like the soil is divided between the weeds and the seed, we can easily find our own lives divided like this. Honestly, this is what I struggle with the most. Um, I'm constantly torn between the desire to follow God and the responsibilities that I have and the other opportunities that I have. Even just this past month, right? We've got a lot of stuff going on at work, new systems being implemented, there's hirings and firings, and, and things are really crazy, and I often find myself dwelling on what's going on at work long after I've clocked out, and I'm back at home, and I should be doing other things. And, and in the last three weeks, I had my girlfriend come visit from out of town, and then my family came and visited, and then we had CYA retreat, and all these things were great, but they were consuming my time and distracting me away from God. And then also during this time, I had this crazy thing going on with my eye, and so I'm doing this insurance dance with my HMO, trying to get to a specialist. And all the while, I'm, I'm praying and I'm asking God, what, what do you want this message to be about? I'm speaking in three weeks, in two weeks, next week. <laughs> and, and I'm starting to get a little anxious, right? Because Pastor Corey approached me six weeks ago, and he asked me if I would be available to speak. And that's when I started praying, and I just, I didn't feel like I was hearing from God, Honestly, I didn't feel like I heard from God until maybe a week and a half ago. And then I'm going through this passage and I'm seeing this uh, teaching about distractions and busyness and how these things can choke out uh, hearing from God. And I was like, oh, I understand now. I didn't hear from God because I didn't give him room to speak. Oops. So, if you're like me, it's time to start weeding. Maybe this means that you have to remove something from your life entirely. Or maybe it means that you need to fast from something to recenter your life on Christ. Jesus says in Matthew 16, 24 and 25, If anyone would come after me, let him deny himself And take up his cross and follow me. For whoever would save his life will lose it. But whoever loses his life for my sake will find it. Giving up these things, removing stuff from our lives, that's what it looks like to deny ourselves. Weeding is one of the most time-consuming parts of gardening. You don't get to just do it once and then be done the weeds will come back. And if you don't go back out there, they're going to take over the whole garden. The same thing happens in our lives. So if you start noticing that you're getting really busy and you're being pulled away from Jesus, it's time to deny yourself. Sacrifice that thing 
offer it to God. Rather than settling for a half-hearted commitment, let your life prove that you are fully committed to God. And that brings us to the final response, full commitment. Verse 20, but those that were sown on the good soil are the ones who hear the word and accept it and bear fruit, thirtyfold and sixtyfold and a hundredfold. That final patch of soil is fertile, and we know that it's fertile because the seed bears fruit. We know who these people are, right? These are the people who are radically transformed by Jesus, right? These are the people like my friend who used to have such a problem with anger that he would get into fights with his family and then he would run down the room punching holes in the walls on his way to his room. And yet now, years later, he's one of the happiest, goofiest, and most caring men that I know. Or it's another friend who realized that she idolized romantic relationships. And so she took a challenge from a friend and she fasted from dating for a year. And during that time, she really took time to pour herself into the word, to find a good church and sit under good teaching, and to really focus on building godly friendships with the people at church. These are the people that we're going to hear from next week because they're getting baptized and they're going to share their testimonies about all the things that Jesus has done and how Jesus has taken a hold of their hearts. These people are characterized by transformed lives. And that transformation only comes from obeying when God speaks. But what if God hasn't spoken? Right? I've been praying. I ask God repeatedly, what do I do about this annoying coworker? Or, or should I date this guy or this girl? Right? And as I pray, I don't hear anything. God's not speaking to me. He's not saying anything. How can I be obedient if God's silent? I get it. It can be super frustrating to be praying and feel like your words are leaving your mouth and bouncing off the ceiling and just falling to the ground. After I graduated from school, I spent over a year seeking God, praying, asking, what do I do? Where should I work? Do I stay here in Southern California or do I move back up to the Bay Area? Should I be in ministry or should I do something else? If I do something else, what should I do? Because I went to school to be in ministry. <laughs> there was six months of silence before I heard anything. And it wasn't like that really peaceful silence where you go out in the woods and you're hiking and it's just like serene. No, it was that painful, awful, like ringing silence of someone just shutting the door in your face. Six months. And after six months, God finally spoke. And you know what he said? He said, no. <laughs> Not ministry. Six months, six months to say that. And I was, I was like, okay, so 
do I stay here or should I, should I go somewhere else? And I didn't hear anything. I didn't hear anything for more months, more months. And six more months go by, and then God speaks again, and he says, stay. And I'm kind of starting to feel like a dog. No, stay, right? And I'm like, you're, you're killing me. This is, this, is not, this is not what I'm asking for. So believe me, I get it. I understand what it feels like to be seeking God for months and months and not hear anything that feels substantial or directive. A couple months ago, I was reading this book by Matt Chandler. He's a pastor in the Dallas area, and he said something that really struck me. He wrote, we want new stuff. We want new revelation, which is why, despite the fact that none of us has mastered the scriptures, we say things like, God hasn't been talking to me lately. What we mean is, God isn't giving me the direct hotline of insider information specifically tailored to me. Our lamenting of God's silence is particularly revealing because we want new revelation while at the same time, we refuse to be obedient to what we already know. God isn't silent. He has already spoken, and it's right here, ready for anyone who's willing to read. Right? This, this is the Word of God. And as I said before, it's the primary way that God speaks to us. In it, God tells the story of the world. He shares his design for our flourishing despite our terrible habit of turning away from him and trying to do stuff on our own. He shows how he sent Jesus to die on the cross so that we might live, and he invites us to join him in his story, to take part in this grand design. So, even when God is silent, God isn't silent. As I said before, our church is in a season of prayer. And part of the reason why we can be in a season of prayer, part of the reason why this matters, is that we serve a God who speaks. We call out to God and we listen for a response because we know that He will respond. But we can't forget that God has already spoken to us through his word. He has sown the seed. So what kind of soil are you? Are you the path that's hard and resistant to God? Or maybe you're the rocky soil, getting really excited for what God is doing one moment and then not really having any changes because of that. Or, or maybe you're the thorny soil where you love God and you're pursuing Him generally, but there are so many things that are distracting you or keeping you busy or pulling you away from your pursuit of God. Whatever type of soil that you resonate with, it's more important in how 
The more important thing is how you're going to respond. What do you need to do to become more fertile, to become receptive to hearing when God speaks? Right? Do you need to plow up the soil in repentance? Or, or maybe you need to plant deep roots, committing to having a deep personal relationship with God. Or maybe you need to start paying more attention to your garden. You need to start weeding, removing all those things that are distracting us and keeping us from being fruitful. Let's pray. Father God, thank you for your word. Thank you for giving us the opportunity to hear your voice, to respond to your calling. God, help us to grow closer to you, to remove the things that keep us from you, and to live humbly, allowing you to transform us from the inside out. In your name we pray. Amen.